Hey everybody, welcome to Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. This is episode number 369 of our YouTube channel and podcast, and I cannot be more excited to continue sharing with you guys personal finance topics that I think could be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. Today, we are going to be talking about this year's investment returns. And uh, I mean, a big reason that I want to talk about investment returns is because uh, it's hard sometimes to understand uh, what you should have made over the course of a year, what you could have made over the course of the year, you know, had you been invested in certain things. And so I just want to kind of use today as a benchmarking day, right? Use it as uh, a way that you can watch this episode, listen to this episode, and know the kind of returns that were available to you this year, uh, at least year to date. So uh, all the returns that we're going to be looking at today are from uh, December 31st, 2020 close uh, to the close December 29th uh, yesterday. Uh, and so, it, yes, it leaves out you know these last couple days uh, of the market being open, but uh, it's very indicative of what you should expect in your year-end returns and what you could have made uh, over this past year in your investment. So stick around for a discussion of all that and more in today's episode. Before we get started, though, if you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcasts, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan. And that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just DM me on any of the major social media sites. And tell me that you are interested in financial coaching sessions and you and I can begin working together, pushing towards your long-term financial goals and ultimately pushing you on towards long-term financial freedom, which is what I hope for every single individual who's watching or listening to this show on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, before we start today's episode, I think it's important to remind you of a couple things when it comes to our investments, uh, because we really pay a lot of attention to the thing that I'm going to talk about today. We pay a lot of attention uh, to the investment returns that we make. And that's not wrong, right? Uh, it's not wrong to want to make good returns. It's perfectly natural to want to make good returns, right? But it is wrong to think that good returns or great returns are the only way uh, to build wealth over the long term. Just absolutely untrue, right? Uh, ultimately, the way that we are going to build wealth over the long term uh, is to put away a lot of money, right? Is to be aggressively investing over a long period of time, right? And um, this is hard to do, right? It, it is hard to talk yourself into uh, deferring from uh, the money that you could be consuming and ultimately choosing to invest it in anything, much less the things that I'm gonna talk about today. Uh, but if you choose to do so, if uh, you defer more uh, of your salary, of your income uh, on an annual basis, then you are going to end up with more money in your investment accounts. Whether you make a great rate of return or not, right? Uh, if you put away a lot of money, you'll have a lot of money, right? Now, we can talk about all the uh, you know investment scenarios that we want to, right? We can talk about all the scenarios in which you know you put away one hundred and fifty eight dollars and thirteen cents a month for 40 years making 10% and that makes you a, a millionaire, right? Uh, we can talk about that and that's putting away very, very little money uh, over the long term and you know coming out on the other side as a millionaire. Uh, but ultimately, 
we don't want to just be putting away small amounts of money. We want to be investing aggressively so that we can really build wealth, build large nest eggs uh, in order to give aggressively, in order to spend money uh, on the things that we want to spend money on, uh, and in order to just make people around us better, make situations around us better, change our families forever, not just in a monetary sense, but uh, in how our families view money and how our families uh, operate when it comes to money. Are, are we going to be uh, very closed-handed? Are we going to be generous? Are we going to be um, you know, wise with money? Are we going to be foolish? You know, all these different things uh, that you can begin. You can start uh, this change in your family tree, but you have to be proactive. And you have to understand that even though what we talk about today, these investment returns is important, it is not the only thing. So uh, let's just go ahead and jump right in. I, I'm actually really excited about this episode because uh, investment returns are something that gets talked about nonstop. Uh, but I want us to be able to uh, just take a pretty objective view uh, as to you know what has this past year looked like, right? What has 2021 looked like when it comes to investments? And uh, luckily for you, I'm going to cover everything uh, from some of the simplest uh, you know stock indexes all the way to uh, cryptocurrencies, and I'm going to judge them as things that we could have directly invested in. Right, because I don't want to give you just returns of an index. Uh, I would like to give you uh, returns of an index fund, right? Returns of uh, an ETF index fund after all the fees are taken out and after um, you know any type of uh, you know costs are given to uh, the investor. I want you to see uh, the ultimate um, you know prices that you could have paid and the price that you could have um, you know showing in your account uh, as of right now, but. Some of these will have made great returns this year. Some of these asset classes, some of them will have not made great returns this year. But I try to cover everything uh, from uh, the different types of stocks uh, to just a broad market uh, bond index to, like I said, cryptocurrency, uh, gold, commodities, all these different types of things. Uh, but like I said, let's just jump right in. Uh, let's see. I have for you today 10 different uh, sets of returns that I think are going to be quite interesting. So, Let's just start with if you were looking for a place uh, to just benchmark your stock investments, right? Uh, let's say you invest in individual stocks or uh, let's say that you're just you know buying mutual funds or index funds or actively managed ETFs even. Uh, and you were just looking for a place that you were like, okay, I want to know what I could have made had I just invested in the total universe of stocks, right? Well, one of the best places uh, that this can be benchmarked to uh, is what we call the total stock market indexes. And uh, a lot of these uh, indexes that I'm uh, bringing you today are either offered um, by State Street or uh, a lot of them are Vanguard, uh, some are iShares, but uh, this would be the Vanguard total market index fund. Uh, and this is the, uh, the symbol VTI. So you could invest in this directly. Uh, using VTI. Like I said, I want to compare to things that we could have uh, directly invested in. So uh, you go and you say, okay, um, from January 1 all the way to uh, 1229 of this year, and you would have made 26.71%, uh, and that is including dividends, right? So that's uh, dividends reinvested. You make 26.71%. Uh, just being invested in that index for, over the course of this year. 
Now that's, for those of you who don't know, that is a fantastic one year return to have in stocks, right? Uh, and that's including all different types of stocks, small cap, large cap, mid cap, um, you know, technology firms, industrial firms, all these different things, right? Um, but it's the, it's the total universe uh, index, right? And you would make 26.71%, which is a fantastic start to what we're talking about with returns today. Now, the question that we want to ask ourselves on all of these uh, different you know, investment vehicles is, uh, can we expect those types of returns in the future? And the answer, the short answer here uh, is no. Uh, the short answer here for uh, something like the VTI would be absolutely not. Now, uh, how do I know this? I know this because historically, uh, just looking at the returns on stocks, uh, you could take you know your numbers from Jeremy Siegel's Stocks for the Long Run, and he talks about real stock returns over the long term uh, being around six and a half uh, to seven percent. Now I said real there, so inflation adjusted, uh, but you could likely be looking you know closer to nine or ten percent uh, on stocks annually. And uh, here we're talking about twenty six point seven one. That's uh, just a very um, you know far cry from what you could expect over a long period of time, but it's fantastic to get years like this. And it shows you that if you were invested in stocks this year and you remained invested in stocks this year, you should have had a great year. Now that is saying that you were invested in a diversified portfolio of stocks, not uh, just investing in some individual stocks, because there are plenty of individual stocks that would have gotten absolutely crushed this year. And just while we're on the subject, um, I would like to talk about a few, right? Uh, so some of the stock darlings uh, of the um, you know, coronavirus pandemic, the, the stay-at-home stocks, as they were called, right? Um, you know, they really blew up back in 2020, but then 2021 just was not their year. And one of the um, you know, primary examples of this would be Peloton, right? Uh, Peloton really blew up in stock price uh, in 2020. Uh, you can go back and look at uh, that all-time high, it was a, a high of uh, 171.09, right? And it literally did nothing but just slide off of a hill uh, over the course of this year. It just uh, continued sliding downward, 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 um, had a big drop back in November uh, of more than 45%. Uh, and now we're talking about down 76.32% year to date. That is a huge drop for a company that we all know and many of us love, right? Then you want an example uh, of another company uh, where this is true, where it's had a horrendous year, um, Zoom Video, right? Another darling of uh, the coronavirus pandemic uh, is down 49.49% year to date. And again, this is when stocks are up 26.71%. So just um, a lesson to be learned here is that you could invest in uh, a large diversified group of stocks and make uh, what the total market makes here, and that's fantastic. Uh, but if you would have been invested in things uh, that you know were hot based on last year's news, based on uh, last year's information, then you would have gotten absolutely slaughtered in stocks uh, this year just based on uh, some of these that I laid out for you. And there are several more that follow uh, you know, those same type of catastrophic losses um, you know, since the beginning of 2021. So I just want you to know that, uh, and this is me kind of making a point here, that indexing, right, buying large diversified groups of stocks or just any asset class 
is a very, very good way to go, uh, and it would have yielded you quite a bit in stocks this year. Now, let's just say, let, let's break down stocks a little bit, right? Because uh, you can say, okay, this is a total stock index, but the truth of the matter is, the total stock index is not what everybody's putting their money in, and it's not the only type of uh, benchmark that we are taking into account. So, I also pulled uh, the DIA. So uh, if you go and look, the, the DIA is the Spider Dow Jones Industrial Average ETF, right? And it's one of the few Dow Jones uh, ETFs that there are out there, but it tracks uh, the DJI, the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And if you looked from uh, the beginning of 2021 to uh, the close yesterday, you would have made 23.75% being invested uh, in the Dow Jones dividends uh, reinvested there, right? Uh, so you still would have made outstanding returns, but lower returns uh, than the total stock market index. And that's not surprising because Dow companies are typically uh, more stable, uh, have uh, lower returns all else equal uh, than the you know smaller companies, the mid cap companies. They're very, very large mature companies, but that's still uh, a great return that you could have made uh, especially, you know, in lieu of what you could have lost in some of the individual stocks that you could have been invested in. Okay, uh, so that's the DIA, uh, not a huge one to, to benchmark to there. But this next one is uh, a very, very big, very, very um, substantial benchmark that we need to pay attention to. Uh, and specifically because this is uh, the largest index fund in the world. And that is the VOO. And you're like, well, it's VOO. Well, that is the ticker symbol for the Vanguard 500 index. Okay. Uh, and there's no surprise why this is one of the largest or is the largest uh, index fund uh, in the world and the largest one that tracks the S&P 500. Well, it's because, you know, Jack Bogle, who uh, started Vanguard, who ran Van Vanguard for such a long time, um, you know, his life's work was the index fund and was um, you know, this S&P 500 uh, tracking fund. And so what did uh, this make this year? Well, I told you that the total market uh, made 26.71%, the Dow uh, 23.75. What about the S&P index fund here? Uh, that would be 30.85%. So being invested in the VOO, you would have made 30.85% with dividends reinvested over the course of this year so far. Right, that is fantastic returns. That is outstanding uh, returns, and um, many people have yielded these returns, right? Because this is uh, one of the most popular index funds out there. But how? Just think about how you would feel, or how you uh, could feel, if you were invested in some of those uh, hot stocks that got slaughtered this year, versus being invested in uh, an index that made thirty plus percent in a year, right? Just an index, boring investing makes you 30% this year, right? Um, and I, I think that's very important for us to, to kind of hash out here uh, is that this is boring investing I'm talking about. This is not anything special. This is not um, you know trying to pick any type of investments that are just uh, outrageous or any type of investments that um, you know would really knock your socks off. No, this is picking investments uh, that, you know, they're just, everyday run-of-the-mill index investments that a portfolio manager isn't choosing what to invest in. The uh, index is telling them what to invest in. They're just following uh, the index with new cash inflows, right? Uh, so 30.85% on the VOO, absolutely huge. And that is what a lot of people benchmark 
their investments too. They benchmark it to uh, the S&P 500. So uh, if you made less than 30.85% year to date, uh, then you have underperformed uh, the large cap index, the large company index of the United States. Uh, and you may need to rethink what your investment strategy is. Right? Now, I'm not saying that if you invest in individual stocks and you come up a little short on a yearly basis that you should just stop investing in individual stocks. That's not what I'm suggesting. But what I am suggesting is that if you consistently underperform, and this is why I try to do something like this episode every year, if you consistently underperform uh, these major indexes, then you're losing, right? And we don't want you to be losing. We want you to make the greatest returns that you can. And so maybe it's better for you to take the boring approach. Maybe it's better for you to take the passive approach uh, and just invest your money in the index, okay? So that is the VOO. Now, um, another index that is very, very popular, um, and it is very popular for uh, basically tracking the NASDAQ 100, right? Uh, basically tracking uh, some of the you know more popular tech names, um, some smaller names than what the S&P 500 may track, but a lot of these companies are uh, quite large as well. And this is the QQQ. This is the Invesco QQQ Trust, right? Um, and many people are invested in this. I have uh, some allocation to uh, this particular index as well. So it's very, very common. What would it have made over the course of this year? Let's try 28.26% uh, so, uh, return over uh, the course of this year, which again is a fantastic return. Now, something to note here uh, is that you had the VOO uh, outpace not only the VTI, right, which is the total stock market index, but also the Dow Jones uh, and here uh, the Invesco QQQ, which uh, would all else equal, you know, be expected to have higher returns because uh, there's a little higher risk associated with some of these companies. But uh, there have been several of these companies that have fallen off of the face of the earth. Uh, in the way that we saw some of those other companies earlier, right? So uh, they've been a drag on returns, and yet it has still made 28.27% over the course of the year. Uh, again, fantastic returns. Um, and if you're benchmarking to something like this, if you're invested in a lot of tech firms and uh, you're saying, okay, what can I uh, benchmark to? The QQQ may be a very good choice, uh, but if you're constantly underperforming and you're looking this year and going, I didn't get anywhere close uh, to a 28.27% return, maybe indexing is the way to go for you. Now, all of this is not just a push for me to say, uh, you must index, you must index, or you must uh, invest passively, but uh, it is proof here that passive investing does work, right? Uh, and it's me basically saying that uh, not everybody should be buying individual investments. Not everybody should be buying individual stocks. We should be far more passive. We should be uh, indexing far more than we ever try to choose individual securities, and that will benefit us a lot more over a long period of time. Now, what other types of benchmarks may we choose? Uh, well, when it comes to stocks, you know, I kind of uh, hit the high points there, right? I talked about, you know, a NASDAQ, um, you know, benchmark with the QQQ. I talked about the VOO for the S&P 500, uh, the DIA for the Dow Jones, a total stock market index for the VTI, Right, uh, but I thought of another, and that was uh, the Russell 2000. Right, so this is a, a broader uh, index than the Dow, the S and P, you know, the uh, Nasdaq 100, but uh, not quite as broad as 
the VTI, and it really focuses on uh, some of these smaller companies. Uh, but this one has far different returns than we saw uh, out of those other indexes. So this particular return um, was 9.56% over the course of the year. Now, even in a place where you had uh, this particular group struggle relative to uh, the other you know, companies or the other uh, groups within uh, the asset class, within stocks, you still saw 9.5% returns, which again, uh, is nothing to scoff at. Over a long period of time, that's what you're going to expect out of stocks. Uh, so again, uh, nothing to scoff at, but uh, some staunch underperformance there of the Russell 2000 versus uh, the rest of uh, the stock you know, ETFs or indexes that you could have invested in. Now, that's what I have for you when it comes to stocks, right? But stocks are not the only asset class. They may be the most um, you know, looked at. They may be uh, even the most important maybe, but uh, they are not the only asset class. And so we're not going to look at them as such. And we know uh, that many of you likely have allocation in some of these other areas as well. Uh, so I also pulled a total bond market index, right? And I said, if you were investing in a total bond market index, and I use the uh, Vanguard total bond market index here, BND uh, is the ticker symbol. I said, what would the re returns have been this year? So this is uh, adjusting for you know interest payments and things of the like. Uh, what would I have made over the course of the year? Well, that is a negative 1.21% uh, return for 2021 thus far. You may say, well, dang, how did you know stocks go up so much and you know bonds really didn't go anywhere? Well, first of all, bond yields are very, very low because interest rates are very, very low, right? Uh, so what you're yielding on bonds, what you're actually making uh, as the interest payments is not a whole lot relative to what you pay. And then when interest rates go up, the prices of bonds go down. Right? And so this entire year, we've had interest rates uh, that have been stuck by the Fed basically uh, in the 0% range, but they have ticked up from where they began the year at. So like the 10-year yield and uh, these other treasury yields, they are um, higher than they were at the beginning of the year. And what that does to bond prices is it decreases bond prices. And so you see this negative return. Now, does this mean you should never invest in bonds? No, right? But you have to understand some things. In an inflationary environment, bonds are not going to be the most useful investment because there is a fixed payment, right? And fixed payments over time with bonds uh, get eaten away at in purchasing power by uh, inflation, right? So inflation is not good uh, to bond returns. Then ultimately, um, you know, we know that we might have some allocation to bonds over time, uh, but that allocation is not simply for returns. Uh, that allocation may be uh, just for risk and diversification's sake, which is perfectly fine, right? If we're trying to take less volatility, uh, then a total bond market index, uh, at least in the short term, uh, is going to work for us. And you know, I've talked recently about how uh, stocks over a long period of time uh, are going to have less variation than uh, a bond index and higher returns all else equal. So, um, this would be your bond return. You could break this up into any uh, number of subcategories, though. You could look at corporate bonds, short-term bonds, long-term bonds, treasury bonds, whatever you wanted to do, um, and may find some different returns there. But that is a total bond market index return. Then, you know, there's always been this thing that says, okay, you know, in an inflationary environment, which we are in, um, 
gold is a great place to go. Gold is going to be the winner. Gold is going to blow up in price uh, if you are in an inflationary environment. And that was not true. So um, I pulled from the GLD, right, which is an ETF that tracks uh, the price of gold, right? Um, and I said, well, hey, what was, you know, what was the return this year? The return was negative 2.33% on gold in an inflationary environment. So uh, it kind of you know, pokes holes in the theory that this would be the best place to be in an inflationary environment. Um, and then the question is, where do people go? Well, I think a lot of people went to stocks because of low interest rates. Um, I think a lot of people went to Bitcoin and Ethereum, which we're going to get to here shortly, and other cryptos. Um, and I think gold might be something that is um, a bit past its prime. I'm not saying that it's over, but uh, I'm just saying that, you know, if this is what the major use of it was, right, if this was the major reason to hold it in your portfolio and, you know, now you make a negative return over the course of a year uh, when you would have expected it to be your highest flyer, I mean, um, then what's the use now, right? Why, why should I hold it now other than maybe just some simple diversification purposes? Then uh, I took a look at a commodity index, right? Because, you know, people have talked about the price of lumber, the price of this, the price of that, oil, gas, you know, all these different things, right? Corn, wheat, uh, all these different things uh, within our supply chains. Uh, and without surprise, this was, uh, to this point in what we've talked about, the best performing asset class, uh, where the DBC, which is a commodities index, right? A broad-based commodities index, uh, made 38.12% over the course of the year. Now, do I expect you to have a large allocation toward commodities or gold or whatever? No, I do not. But um, I have talked before about the all-weather portfolio that Ray Dalio talks about, and they take positions uh, in um, you know commodities and gold and things like that. So um, you may have some small allocation here for diversification purposes, but I don't expect you to have your whole uh, portfolio in commodities. And it's not likely that commodities will continue to outperform over a long period of time. But for this year, uh, they were a big winner. Now, let's get to the ones that I think we're most interested in here, uh, and that would be uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, okay? Uh, we're interested in these because they are cryptocurrencies, uh, but as I've told you before, they are speculative in nature. Uh, I don't expect you to have large percentages of your portfolio in them, uh, I just thought it'd be interesting to, to see what the returns were this year, especially compared to stocks. And I know these are very volatile, so this can change quite a bit in the next few days, uh, today and tomorrow as um, you know the market changes. But the Bitcoin return uh, to date right, uh, is 41.19% for the year. Now, that's not a huge difference from what the S&P 500 has been this year. Yes, that's 11% difference, but... Uh, given that it you know torched the S and P last year uh, and in some you know recent years past, uh, that's not you know a crazy difference. But forty one point you know one nine percent return, heck, I'll take it, right? But you look at its partner in crime, Ethereum, right? Uh, another cryptocurrency here, the second largest cryptocurrency. You say, what were its returns this year? Uh, let's try one hundred and seventy nine point three nine percent, right? Uh, so you would have almost tripled your money uh, had you put uh, money into Ethereum at the beginning of the year, okay? Uh, and again, not surprising that these assets, you know, these cryptocurrencies have great returns because uh, they have been very popular. They're continuing to uh, gain in popularity and in um, adoption, 
worldwide. And so uh, it's no surprise if this is the case that they have these great returns in an inflationary environment uh, and something like gold lags. I mean, it's just not, not a big surprise. But hopefully, right, some of the information I give you today helps you to understand maybe where you should be with your investments and uh, maybe helps you to uh, better understand some different asset classes um, and maybe just know, hey, if I was in stocks this year, this is how much I should have made. If I was in bonds this year, don't freak out that I made a negative return because the total index uh, was a negative return or, or something of the like, right? Uh, and I really want us to rethink this idea uh, that we can all beat the market and that we are all going to be good active investors because the, the facts are that we are not, right? The facts are that we're uh, far more likely to be uh, more effective as passive investors that just continues uh, you know, an investment strategy of systematically putting money away into index funds and ETFs and mutual funds over a long period of time uh, and allowing our money to grow that way. And this year would have been a great year to do it because a lot of these indexes made uh, some outstanding returns, especially on the stock side, which is what many of you care about anyway. And so um, I'm not saying that you should be allocated to all of these things. I'm not saying um, that you know all these things are suitable investments for all of you um, or for any of you. But what I am saying is that um, if you tried to have allocation to any of these asset classes, you could have uh, in these particular funds that I've talked about um, and you could have gotten the the returns uh, that I stated. So, uh, you know, I hope that you guys can be the most effective investors possible. I hope you can make the best returns uh, possible, but that's going to be based on your patience, based on uh, your willingness to put money away for the long term uh, and make long term decisions with your investing and not just uh, short term gyrations based on whatever the market does, even in a year. Right? Don't base your investment strategy just on what the market's done this year uh, because you're likely to look up a year from now when I do this type of episode again and go, man, that was dumb. I don't want that for you. I want you to stay consistent. Pick something smart. Pick something wise. Stick with it over a long period of time. That's the way to build wealth. So thanks for watching this video. If you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan. And that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just DM me on any of the major social media sites and tell me that you are interested in financial coaching sessions. And you and I can begin working together, pushing towards your long-term financial goals and ultimately pushing you on towards long-term financial freedom, which is what I hope for every single individual who's watching or listening to the show on a day-to-day -day basis. So tune in tomorrow as I continue talking about personal finance topics that I think could be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. God bless.